I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. Fangirls on Jackalope Radio. Hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the Fangirl Radio Show. I'm your host Jessica Dwyer and I'm flying solo tonight as we have a packed show full of some great interviews for you. Um, focusing on two um, recent and pretty good horror films. Uh, the first uh, is John Dies at the End, which has uh, been getting some great word of mouth. Rue Morgue just did a cover story on it, and uh, it's getting ready to go um, theatrical release after having been available on Video On Demand and iTunes uh, for rental. It stars some unknowns as well as some well-known uh, icons in horror. Uh, the leads in this, Dave and John, are played by Chase Williamson and Rob Mays. But also on board for this movie is Paul Giamatti, Clancy Brown, our fave Doug Jones, and Dan Roebuck. It's a great flick and it's directed and co-written by uh, an icon in horror, Don Coscarelli, who brought us the uh, always legendary Phantasm. We're going to have a couple of the producers on to talk about the movie, Andy Myers and Roman Perez. And following that, we're going to have um, the writers of the just-released-on-DVD The Possession, which starred Jeffrey D. Morgan and Kira Sedgwick. Uh, creepy, creepy little flick um, that was also uh, produced by Sam Raimi, uh, who you may or may not know. I seriously doubt you don't know who that is if you're listening to this show. Um, but, uh, yeah, the uh, Sam Raimi and Bob Tappert produced this uh creepy and based on true events uh, demonic possession film and it was a great little flick and you'll get creeped out more by the DVD than you'll be caring to admit after you uh, watch the movie and then go to the extras on it. I did. Um, so uh, we're going to have the husband and wife duo who wrote that, uh, Juliet Snowden and Styles White on to discuss um, writing uh, about something that is uh, actually actually real and um, has caused harm to people that have talked about it and uh, been around it. So uh, we, the Dybbuk box, it's a real thing that really exists. And um, the truth is actually a little bit scarier than the fiction. So we will have uh, Juliet and Styles on uh, after we talk to the producers of John Dies at the End. So we've got a packed show. Let's get to it. And uh, so everybody, uh, here is Andy and Roman. They're they're two of the producers from the new film John Dies at the End, which you can get on video on demand, as well as via iTunes. And you are getting um, you are getting a theatrical release. Is it a limited release uh, uh, in a, about a couple of weeks? Is that right? It actually opens this Friday at the New Art in Los Angeles, and the following Friday in New York, and then yeah, we roll across the country after that. 
Awesome. So I, I actually got to watch the movie. I, I got it off of iTunes, and I, I have to tell you, I love this flick to death. It was it's actually it came up to be on my uh, top three horror films of 2012. It it, it so cool. beat its way up there, and uh, I, I really loved it. Now, what made you both interested in working on this? Because it was sort of a it's one of those things that once you've read the the stories that it's based off of. It almost sounds unfilmable, in in some ways because it's so, it's so it's so uh, crazy of a story. But you managed to pull off, I think, really well with this movie. What made you interested in in doing it? I mean, uh, for us, I mean, obviously, well, go ahead, it's go ahead, two Andy. major things. Uh, I mean, for us, it's two major things. I mean, it's number one, obviously, is Don Coscarelli. I mean. The man is a genius, and I think anyone who's seen Phantasm or Bubba Hotep or any of his other films knows that, you know, he is just the, the king of that genre. So, you know, the second, you know, he came to us with this project, we're like, yes, please, you know. And then, <laughs> obviously, number two is number two is, is Paul Giamatti. I mean, he's, he's one of the best actors of our time. So, you know, with him attached to the project, it just became, you know, a natural, I think, you know, it would have been hard for anybody to say no. And obviously they did an amazing job. So thank you very much for liking the movie. We love it too. Oh, great. It was amazing. So Roman, um, what, what drew you to this? Was it pretty much the same breakdown of, of Coscarelli and, and Giamatti? Yes. Yes. I mean, I've been a fan of, of Don's for a long time. And, um, you know, kind of getting back to what you said about the, the whole storyline, uh, I don't think there's too many people that could pull it off, And but Don is definitely one of those guys that, um, you know, can take that vision and actually get it onto the screen. So uh, we were just thrilled that, uh, you know, we had the opportunity to work with Don, and then when Paul got on board, you know, it just took it to a completely different level, and, um, you know, we're just super excited. Well, I can't think of an actor more that does the best freakouts than Paul Giamatti. I mean, he he just does the best ones I think I've seen filmed, and he definitely has a great one in this one. Um, so the one thing I was I, I noticed with this, and especially with Don Coscarelli, is the fact that he does. It's almost like he and Sam Raimi are the only two I can think of that can really do like a a horror fantasy. And that's right. what I take from this. And, and so uh, can you talk about about that uh, element of this uh, and what you wanted to see brought to it from those stories? What what did you pick and choose for this? You want me to go wrong? Well, yeah, go ahead, Andy. You started. I mean, you know, we, we produced the movie. So in reality, like our job was to make you know, Don's vision, you know, help make that a reality. You know, mm -hmm. uh, we have a partner, his name is Brad Baru, and, you know, he's a horror genre uh, genius as well. <laughs> um, so for Roman and I, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, making sure everything was ready to go, then just kind of like setting, you know, setting them loose, you know. Um, you know, I think you said horror and fantasy, but this movie I think is also a comedy, you know. I mean, totally. You know, yeah. where else can you see? you know, a monster come together, you know, out of, you know, meat, you know, and also, <laughs> you know, a, a doorknob that is, you know, I don't know if something I can actually say on the radio, you know. Penis? Like, you know, exactly. Can you say that on the radio? Um, you can say then, penis you know, on the radio. <laughs> a girl who's missing a hand, you know, who, you know, becomes an integral part of, of you know, 
saving the world and a dog, you know, I mean, a talking dog. I mean, it's, it's pretty much everything ever known to man in, <laughs> in one movie. It's, it's pretty kooky, but it's cool. It yeah, I think the, the comedy element is something that Don does so well. And, you know, I, I, Andy really hit on it just there that, you know, our job was just to make sure that, that uh, you know, Don bringing this to life was, a, was an easy process and um, we were able to do whatever we could to, to help make it an easy, an easy process for him. But I, I was so pleasantly surprised when I watched one of the first cuts of just uh, how much of the comedic, comedic element of it was working. Because when you, when you read the script, like you said, it, there's just so much going on, and you're not quite sure how this is all going to pan out. And Don pulled it all together so well. And uh, at one of our first screenings, um, actually was at Sundance, was the first major screening, to hear everybody laugh at the right moments and, and get the gist of what Don was trying to do, uh, that was, you know, that was uh, what made the whole you know, year-and-a-half journey you know, all, all worth it because he, he really is so good at combining those two facets of, yes, it is a horror, but it, it really is more like you said, a fantasy. I always said it was kind of like uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure on Acid. You know, that sort of sums it up for me. I, I would totally go with that as well as I, I got um, I got some feelings of Evil Dead in there and, and just... Mm-hmm. And, and definitely like the man out of his own time kind of thing like and and I have to tell you I love the cast too the cast of this movie was spot on they were all great especially uh Dave and 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 John I mean the, those two guys that uh were your, your two leads in this movie are are great they play off each other so well Chase Williamson and and Rob Mays they really do they they you get a vibe from them that they're they're buds right yeah, I mean, yeah, that's absolutely. the way they are in real life. I mean, do you want to go, Roman, or do you want me to do it? Go ahead. Okay. I mean, that's the way they are in real life. I mean, we felt, you know, very strongly that we needed to cast two unknowns mm-hmm. uh, into those parts, and, you know, they're just perfect. I mean, Chase is, is, is pretty much like Dave, and, you know, Rob is the character like, like John, and, you know, when... They were they were shooting. It was the same chemistry they had when they weren't shooting, and you, you know even today, like they're still friends and they're you know crossing the country, you know promoting the movie. So you know, that relationship just totally translated on screen. So I was going to ask about the rest of the cast. How did you go into um, uh, getting these people? Like you've got so many good genre vets in there too, like uh, Clancy Brown and Doug Jones, who we love. He's been on the show a couple of times, and 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 Dan Roebuck, who is like a massive horror horror geek in real, in in his own life. Uh, how did you come and get these guys? It's Don Cusarelli. I mean, it's, 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 it's all Don. <laughs> He's got speed dial. He's got speed dial. Right. You know, plus so, it's Paul, too. You know, I mean, these guys, you know, I think once the train got going, it's like all these people wanted to jump on. We got really lucky. So um, what can you tell us about um, get, going into the process of this? What was filming this like? Because there, it's, it's a completely different kind of a movie than what a lot of people have, are used to anymore. I mean, they, it, it, it totally is a, a different take. It's a lot of genres mixed together. How was it to film this movie? Well, I think, uh, I'll, I'll just talk real quick to, to that point. I mean, you know... Uh, 
we just keep singing Don's praises with us and also our other uh, partner, Brad Baru, because they they were able to take that story, you know, on, on a fairly limited budget and... Um, extremely limited. Extremely limited budget. And the, the, the two of them together, the things that they came up with and the idea that they had to, to bring some of this stuff to life was incredible. And, you know, it, it really was born out of out of Don and Brad's brains, which combined is, is a scary thing. And uh, <laughs> and, that, and there and then you see what happens when when the two got together, you know. Um, and with that budget, you know, there had to be a lot of uh, not shortcuts, but some creativity in how some of these things were were actually executed. And, and they both did such an amazing job. And you know, Andy and I just sit back and go, "Wow, I can't believe we were actually a part of that." Well, and I we, like the, I the look of the. I think it's super important. I think it's super important to say, Jessica, that we, I mean, M3 Creative is a marketing company, so we do commercials and we do interstitials and you know, music videos. So this is our first film, and you know, I think the fact that you know we were kind of newbies in this in this business helped us cut cut corners in a in a really creative and positive way. You know, we the production value was high, like a commercial, but. The budget is low, like you know, one of our interstitials. I mean, we work for the studios, but we usually do it on the marketing end. So I think that helped us. And Don says it too all the time that it helped him, you know, kind of bend the budget and still get great quality out of the movie. Well, I was going to say it looks so pretty. Like I, I watched the high definition version on iTunes when I, I watched the film, cool. and and it's very crisp. It almost looks like a com- I, I don't want to say it looks like a comic book movie, but the colors in it are just really beautiful. Um, who who kind of, was that more of the the cinematographer, or was that Donegan's kind of his eye for this kind of thing? I mean, it was Michael Duryakis who was a who was a DP, but then it was also Brad Rue, who we've been talking about multiple times in this interview. But <laughs> you know, like I said, it looks like a commercial because you know if you look at the other stuff we do you know on our site or, or wherever you know which you've probably seen on tv it, it looks that's how it looks i mean that's we kind of have a signature look as a company and it looks the same well, it looks it, it was also, just... I, I was going to say it was one of the first times we, we've dealt with the red camera as well and uh you know utilizing the red camera they were able to get such you know amazing beautifully laid out shots with such saturation you know we were just blown away by it we had never dealt with it before and it just showed the scope of what that camera could do in the hands of you know people that uh you know could really come up with some creative ways to shoot it well and uh, it it shows i mean it it's it's a nice movie i i have to tell you guys I, and i really i've been telling everybody about it today as as like we're, we're interviewing these guys that help make this and you really should watch this movie <laughs> Absolutely. So nice. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> so, and and I was wanting to find out too. Um, I know it was great to see Angus Scrim show up, even briefly in this, in a creepy mm-hmm. role of as usual. So, um, are you guys interested in um, uh, taking this on? Because there's, I believe, three, st- three books uh, in the in the right. in the. Are you wanting to do another one? That's, that's obviously we've talked about it, you know, especially with the early success of John Dies. Um, you know, that's always a question mark, and it's something we, you know, we really can't 
you know, luck into at this point. But, you know, obviously, you know, if Don came to us, it'd certainly be hard to say no. <laughs> so um, I, would he want to keep the same crew? Like, would he want Don to be uh, come back as the director and writer for this? I mean, it's Don's project, you know, so, I mean, yeah, it, it's whether or not we come back. And, I mean, like we've talked about, you know, this has been a dream come true for us, and especially the way the project has turned out. I mean, I would love it, you know, every project we did was like Don Dye's at the end, you know, not only the production period, but also, you know, the reception it's gotten upon release. It's, it's been an amazing experience. Well, I, I think it's very, uh, it's a great sign when you have fans of the book actually saying that they like this, because that's always, uh, that's always a problem, and, and sometimes it doesn't turn out as well for some people when they see a, a project based on a, on a popular uh, fiction. And it sounds like you guys got the, the uh, blessing of the fans on this, which is great. Yeah, not, not something that. that it's that easy. <laughs> yeah, thank God for that. <laughs> Definitely. So, um, no, now that you... Yeah. Well, I was going to say, now that you've done uh, a project like this, of this scope, is there something out there that the two of you would like to, to try and uh, get your hands on uh, in the future, other than a sequel to, to this one? What would you, uh, what would you dream project-wise, what would you like to do? I mean, for me, like, I like to get my hands on a beer and just relax and, like, you know, watch the movie succeed. That's pretty much it. Yeah, I think the Roman game's on right now, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we'd love to do another one like this. I mean, I know Brad, you know, uh, has a ton of ideas, and we'd love to, you know, try to do something like this again. And, you know, um, let's see where it takes us. I mean, this has been exciting. We're, we're all super happy with the response from everybody and uh, it feels like it's just really starting to kick in right now so um, there's not anything specific that we'd want to do uh, project wise but as far as doing another feature we'd love to do it so let's keep our fingers crossed and see if we can pick up another one I mean M3 Creative is set up you know to you know to do productions like this and you know like when we said there's Brad has another movie it's called Apple Card uh, it's in development right now and you know, we'd like to see that uh, get up and running hopefully this year and then, you know, run the same course that John Dyes has run with the festival circuit and then, um, you know, a release like this one. Wonderful. Well, guys, thank you so much. I, I absolutely love, like I said, I love this movie. You've got some great talent in it. You guys did a great job with the look and, and, and telling a story that is pretty complex, and yet it you make it, you, it, you made it accessible. It's one of those, I, the, the line from Doctor Who is timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly, and you managed to make it make sense. <laughs> so thank you so much. You know, Hey, Jessica, I know you guys are all about independent movies. I mean, please, everyone out there, tell your friends to go see John Dye's PM because independent movies are they're a dying breed, and if you want to see, succeed, you have to go out, you know, and tell your friends and, and go see them and support them. That's what it's all about. Damn right, and that's where you get a lot of the more original stuff is the indies, and uh, it's this is a wonderful uh, example of that. This is a great film that I couldn't see you know it, it if it had been done by a major you know studio it would never have been as great as it is because they would have i think watered it down yeah well, absolutely that's ultimate absolutely. compliment thank you 
So thank you so much for that. And, and uh, yes, you can say penis on the radio. I just have to restate that. Uh, you can. But thank you again, guys, for so much. And uh, John Dies at the End starts uh, this Friday. So um, as of this airing, it will be tomorrow in L.A. And then uh, the week following New York, correct? Yes. And then goes um, uh, released in theaters uh, following that. So thank you right now you can get it on video on demand and on iTunes as well and it's definitely worth the watch so thank you guys again for being on and uh, keep it up because this was great alright thank you thank you Jessica thank you alright okay okay bye 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 thank you again Awesome. So everybody, I want to welcome to the show uh, the writers of the uber creepy um, The Possession that has just been released on DVD uh, last, I believe it was this Tuesday, last Tuesday. And um, this is Styles White and his wife, Juliet Snowden, uh, their husband and wife duo writing team that have actually worked on some previous uh, creepy films such as The Boogeyman and also the the uh really cool knowing i i actually really love that movie um so welcome uh juliet and styles to the show thank you for coming hi. on thanks thanks for having us yeah this is cool hi hi so um the possession uh, the movie itself is is inherently creepy and uh jeffrey dean morgan kira sedgwick they they do a great job I, I absolutely love the film, but I have to ask you, because of the subject matter and the fact that there's an actual true um, core to this movie of, of the, the uh, and I'm always saying this wrong, but the Dybbuk box? That's, That's correct, yes. Uh, um, how was it to research this and not, how did you not get scared to death after reading about some of the stuff that went on with this thing? I have to ask. <laughs> Well, I will I will say this one thing real quick before we talk about more about the, the specifics of the Dybbuk box, but the current owner of the Dybbuk box, when it was announced that we were the writers for the movie, he sent us a Facebook email saying that he would loan us the box while we were writing, which we immediately said, no way, we do not want that box in our house. With a so, child! <laughs> We we never laid eyes on it intentionally. So, yeah, I think for us this was um, it, there was an original article that had run in the New York uh, in the L.A. Times in 2004, and it was it was called it was called Jinx in the Box, and a writer named Leslie Gornstein had had written this article, and it was just kind of one of those weird articles about uh, an eBay listing where someone had had purchased this box at an estate sale and all these weird phenomena began to happen to him and he he put the box on ebay and sold it and it was it was basically he was you know it was kind of a full disclosure situation he was basically saying in, in the original ebay write-up uh look i bought this thing i don't know what it is but i think it's cursed or haunted or something if someone out there wants this kind of thing i don't want it anymore um, it's for sale, and it was it was just kind of the perfect weird campfire type, you know, ghost story that uh, had some real life elements to it, and all these people were were real. You could you could track them down, you could call them, they could answer questions about their experiences with the Dybbuk box, and it had changed hands a couple times. It ended up with the current owner 
uh, Jason Haxton, who's kind of a collector, curator of a, of a museum of these kinds of things, and, you know, phenomena continued to happen to him when he had it. So it was just kind of this, this, this strange story that, that didn't necessarily have a, have a natural, you know, kind of a movie structure to it. It was just one of those weird Internet stories that kind of had everybody talking for a couple weeks. And then we were lucky enough, because we had worked with Sam Raimi's company before, they brought the article around to us a few years later and said, we're, you know, we're trying to develop this out as a movie. Would you guys be interested? Uh, we know we love this idea of the box, and it's, it's cursed, and there's something wrong with it, but what's the movie around that? And that's when Juliet and I really hit upon the idea of it would be interesting to explore a recently divorced couple, and they've got the two kids, you know, the daughters who are going back and forth between mom and dad on the weekends, so that more than a haunted house story, wherever, once they buy the box and it's in their lives, weird things can happen at dad's house, weird things can happen at mom's house, the school, so wherever the box goes, the horror can travel with it, and that was really the jumping in point for the movie. And, well, and the one thing that um, I took from the DVD was I watched the um, after I watched the movie I watched the 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 truth behind it the opening up the mm -hmm. dipping box kind of extra and they were on there talking about uh, how they actually recreated a box so they didn't have to be around the box to show oh, stuff yeah. about it and then then they actually warned you by the way we're going to show you the real box and I was just completely creeped out by that I'm like oh my god are they really serious they're like by the way, you might not want to see this. It's a box, and 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 it and it creeped me out. I mean, and then the uh, last line from that came from, I believe, the the second the 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 guy that actually sold it on eBay, who who said, you know, at, you're connected to this now. If you're going to leave this DVD and you're going to go look this up and start reading about it, and you're going to be part of the story. <laughs> and I just sat there looking at my TV going, oh, my God, I have to research this for my show. <laughs> or maybe I, I shouldn't have just watched that. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have just watched that. I'm going to get a yeah, phone call. All kinds of, you were feeling all kinds of things. <laughs> yeah, when we um, – what happened with, with the box was, was the owner, the, the current owner, Jason – it's Jason, right? Right. Yeah. Um, he he did offer pretty much every single person, the director, Sam Raimi, um, executives and such, to, he offered that they could have the box during the process. Every single person turned him down. So, um, you know, when Styles and I were writing the story, we we were we had to rethink of what the box would look like and, and what would what would be the the um, you know the most interesting way to present this box in a movie way and so it was it was our idea that it was very difficult to open um it was because there's the dybbuk trapped inside um the, the original box is a wine cabinet that mm -hmm. you store wine in you can just simply you know open it up so in the writing we we recreated the look of the box well, and the one thing, too, I, I, I actually did go ahead and researched it and looked it up and did what he said I probably shouldn't. Um, and I read that uh, then it made me even more creeped out. It, it just keeps progressively getting creepier um, that during a radio interview 
they, uh, I believe Jason actually was on this radio program and they were talking about the box and someone asked him something to the effect of, why don't you just destroy it? And when that started to be, to be discussed on the episode, they started having technical difficulties on the radio show. Mm, and like, crazy. yeah. And so I'm thinking, wow, maybe I don't want to do this. <laughs> so far we've been okay. Everything's but... good over here. You know, the first interview that we did do um, when the movie came out, we were talking to a reporter and um, we had just started talking and his entire computer computer crashed. And it was a oh. brand new computer. He had had it only for two months. He's like, my computer just totally crashed. Um, can you give me a minute? <laughs> we're like, okay. <laughs> um, <he's, laughs> he finally got it back running. And it actually was in his in his um, his interview that he ran that that in the that was how the interview started. You know, the computer crashing. <laughs> but you know, do you believe in good luck? Do you believe in bad luck? live your life, be a good person, and, you know, I don't know. I, I well, believe it, some of it, and, you know, well, I also believe in good luck, too. Well, the thing that I, I found interesting was some people were like, you know, people hype themselves into believing this, and that yeah. causes the issues, because there's the illness and the, uh, and just the, the whole, you know, you're cursed thing, and, and you psych yourself into it. But then again, you've got Jason on the, on the DVD talking about how he buried the box next door in a house, and you had centipedes that were congregating all over it for some unknown reason and the the, mm -hmm. the spiders were covered in manna and and just creepy creepy things that it's like man is he making this up or is this true because there's pictures and and it's it did you was there any ma any moment where you hesitated in working on this because it just was a little creepy no i mean i think for us we these are the kinds of movies that we work on and it, it's it's sort of become our our trade and you know because we're we're married and we're writing partners and we have our own family we love we love exploring kind of the classic kinds of of horror stories that have a family at the center and and some kind of some kind of horror phenomena begins to happen and it's going to start to pull the family apart and you know the question becomes can these people become stronger and start working together and, and, and see if they can survive this horror. So it was immediately a very interesting idea to us, and we knew how we wanted the outcome uh, to happen. So it, it wasn't that we were we were hesitant to write this kind of story, but it was also, I mean, traditionally these are the kinds of stories that scare us the most, whether we're going back to, you know, based on true events type movies, like the Amityville Horror or something like that. Mm -hmm. Those were those were definitely kind of formative films when we were kids and watching movies and, and scared us and writing that line of, you know, some of this happened, some of it didn't, how much of it is true. So we, we love that, you know, inspired by true events aspect. And, and then we really just wanted to have the movie represent a composite of all the different kinds of experiences that people had had. So like Jason said, spiders and centipedes began congregating around the Dybbuk box. We loved the idea that there was insect, you know, infestations in the movie with these moths, and and there were, you know, people who owned the Dybbuk box. It had uh, recurring nightmares that 
while they were sleeping, there was a, an ancient old hag sitting on their chest and kind of pushing the air out of them, and that really inspired us to to think of the Divic spirit as, as kind of a female evil entity, and so we were just, we were grabbing all the real life stuff, but putting it through the eyes of this family in this particular story. So, um, I did, had they already, when you'd started writing this, did you already know who and who they had in mind to, to play these characters, or did no. the casting, okay, because I was no, going to ask um, about, we were oh, on ahead. it for probably a year, you know, eight, eight, nine months, and, um, to, to the first people in, and then they got the director, and we did some work with the director, and, um, and in the middle of rewrites, they were, they were casting, and when Styles and I write, we never think of actors in our minds. Um, we we think of just real people mm-hmm. that we're writing. But the second somebody does get cast, we immediately start seeing our characters on paper, you know, in our minds through through that lens. So the second they cast Jeffrey Dean Morgan, for example, um, and we were in the middle of these rewrites, it really helped the writing a lot because of who he is as an actor and a person. So that that was that was a lot of fun um, being on the project as they were casting. And then in the case of, uh, we knew that there was a really special role in the character of Zadok, who is the, you know, the young Hasidic man that Jeffrey Dean Morgan seeks out to help him with, with this particular issue. And, you know, the, the whole idea of the Dybbuk and the Hebrew carvings on the Dybbuk box, those, those were so important to the real-life Dybbuk box, and we never considered for a second that we'd change any of that, but we did want to, you know, for the, for the exorcist-type person role in this movie, we wanted to do something different than the elder-type priest or religious figure, and, and we had in mind a younger Hasidic man who was, who was kind of breaking away from maybe the the traditions of of his you know particular religious community or his father his elders and we just started thinking it'd be really cool to have a a a younger guy who's kind of hip and maybe the first time you meet him he's wearing you know he's listening to his ipod and listening to hip-hop and we just started thinking of the Hasidic rapper hip-hop artist modif yahoo when we were thinking about that role and kind of looking at pictures of him and looking at interviews with him and we we're like it's totally this vibe and we were kind of writing in that vein and and talking to the producers about that and then we kind of forgotten about it and they were casting various roles and about two weeks before filming we said you know who did you guys end up getting for the role of Zadok and they said oh we we got Modest Yahoo and it was <laughs> it was like has he does he act? I mean, has he ever... See, the Diddy Fox brought us good luck. <laughs> that was... But, you know, they, they, it, was so, it was so perfect for him that I'm sure it... I think it went to his agency, and, and, and he had had some acting experience, and obviously he's a performer and knows how to really connect with an audience up on stage, and uh, he did it. He signed on, and he just, he just brought a whole level of authenticity and and charisma and a sense of personality to that role and uh that to those final those final scenes where he's performing uh the rituals of how to banish a divic uh was was just totally the real deal he was he was living it and, and really doing it yeah i actually he was one of my favorite characters in the movie i really 
thought he was great. He did a great job with that role. I really liked him in that. And I was going to ask you, what was it like um, with, uh, and I know I'm going to mispronounce his name. I'm always bad with names. Old Borndell, he who had uh, done Nightwatch. And, and what, how was it to work with him on this? Because he's such a visual guy, it seems like, with his films. Yeah, we uh, Oli was a director who was definitely, you know, in our in our wheelhouse. We'd seen his original Nightwatch film uh, some years ago, and then we'd recently uh, watched a movie that he did, you know, over in Europe called the The Substitute about a weird substitute teacher who's actually uh, an alien, and yeah, really cool movie. It's scary. It's funny, and and when he signed on to be the director we caught up on a lot of his other films and and we immediately knew he was going to be perfect he he brings out such a such an interesting level of performances with the characters and his shooting style and and the tone of of the types of movies that he makes and he he had his director photography on this movie and and one of his editors worked on it as well so we knew it was really going to be a uh, you know, it was going to belong in the Oli Bornadal library of films, and, and and he's just a nice person too, and very calm, and just a good a good presence to be around. Yeah, he gave us great direction, and and you know, we all got on the same page of what kind of horror movie we wanted this to be, because there's a lot of there's a lot of different directions a horror movie can go, obviously, and when we, within the first 15 minutes of our first meeting with him, we we knew that we were all setting out to make the the same film nice and so and and this is uh it looks like you're gonna i I can't i'm not sure if you've already worked with sam raimi before this um how was it to work with sam and bob tapper on on a horror film and it looks like you're probably going to continue to do so because i i think i saw that you're working on another film with them yeah, we um, actually did Boogeyman with those guys. That oh, was that's our, right, that's the, right. The, kind of the beginning of our, our career. So Sam was one of the first people to, to give us our our, our break. Um, and we, we, we love Sam Raimi. He is just the, the nicest person, and he is so into movies and so into story. And a lot of what we do in our job is we have to pitch sometimes more than writing is pitching and and going into a room and sitting across the table from somebody and telling them what you want to write and sometimes people aren't very attentive and you know we've had one time where somebody fell asleep (laughs) that's not (laughs) we've been in all kinds that's not the best reaction when you pitch um (laughs) Wow. The best audience by far is Sam Raimi because he sits and listens and is, he is so into story and he's such an amazing director and so visual that, that as he, as you're telling him a story, you can see his eyes as he's visualizing what you're saying. So we just had the best experience with him. And, um, yeah, and I think working with Sam, he's definitely a filmmaker that is always thinking about the audience and what kind of experience is the audience going to have with this movie and and we love that as well we're you're you're thinking of that that opening weekend and a lot of people in the theater and you're just giving them this this scary wonderful experience and yeah we're working on a new project with with sam and his team right now but uh uh not uh 
we let's just say we'll we'll come back on the radio with you and and discuss that when it's uh, awesome the time is right for sure i'm <laughs> going to hold you to that <laughs> yeah definitely setting out to make some more scary films with sam that's always a good thing. Sam Raimi and horror should always be together. That's truly, truly. It was funny that you mentioned about his, his eyes and how he just gets into it. Is the first time I ever met him in person was at Comic-Con, and he was there for Spider-Man um, when it was first coming out. And I mentioned to him, I would he ever want to see um, Spider-Man crossover and get some more of the Marvel or Marvel people involved, kind of like what they've done with the Avengers, but on a little bit uh, more centric scale. And and I told him he was he he cr- almost crawled over the table. And was, Who do you have in mind? And I'm like, um, um, opportunity at every. <laughs> what did I say? And I'm like, uh, I'd love to see Blade and Morbius go at it with Spider. <laughs> That's great. Because, yeah. of course, I'm going... yeah, he's awesome. He's so fun. He's he is a very sweet guy, and and it. I when I interviewed him for Drag Me to Hell, he was just as as. I got him to admit that yes, he was running around Comic Con in a Zorro costume. In 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 uh, disguise, so he <laughs> could go look. Yeah, he said if you're if you see a short little Zorro running around, it's Sam Raimi, and you. Well, well, you know, Juliet and Styles, thank you so much. It, I I love the movie. It was creepy. I have a really hard time with demonic possession films. It's not a it's not a, a not a secret. Um and I I was able to tolerate this one, but only just. And then Good. I got starred by the um the D V D. I bet it, no, it's just it's it's okay. I'm fine. No, the uh but well, I really I enjoyed it. I think the it. lesson we all learn is just stay away from odd looking antiques at yard sales. Pretty much and if they're really hard to open there's probably a reason why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, take Absolutely. It back. I, I think that's what we should take from this. So yeah. um, I want to thank you guys for coming on. Thank you for, for writing some really awesome horror films. Um, I can't wait to see what you and, and the the Ghost House people come up with next because these the, the uh, Sam Raimi is made for horror and he needs to keep at it. And you guys do a great job. So thank you again. And uh, thank you for being brave enough to write this movie. All right. Sure. Well, thanks, thanks for having us. This is yeah. fun. Thank Take you. Care. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Well, there you have it, everybody. Uh, this was a uh, uh, my solo show, but I think we uh, we filled up the time because uh, I can talk. That's one good, one thing I'm good at. Um, but I want to thank our guests: Styles White, Juliet Snowden, Roman Perez, and. Uh, Andy Myers for joining us to talk about uh, some couple of great flicks uh, in the world of horror. Uh, it's it's sometimes difficult anymore to find good stuff, but originality is still around. And John dies at the end is something you really should check out. And for a taste of that old school um, true uh, event uh, themed creep factor uh you should check out the possession um that just came out on dvd and blu-ray blu-ray looks great you should definitely pick that up and as we said john dies at the end is going to be in la as of tomorrow and then a week later it will start in new york and after that it will be uh theatrically released um 
uh, across the board and hopefully you can catch it and if not uh, you can still catch it I believe on video on demand and iTunes and uh, please check it out because it is really great great movie and support it so we can get a sequel so with that I want to thank you all for listening I hope you enjoyed the show and uh, Fangirl Radio signing off we'll see you next time Thank you.